As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the latest edition of Until Saturday, and we are talking football today. The best part of football, really, quarterbacks. Uh, I'm Ari Wasserman, joined by two of my close buddies here at The Athletic. Max Olson, how are you today? Doing good, buddy. We're, I'm home for, uh, for a, a rare day here in August, so lots of lots yeah. of affairs to, uh, to uh, get through here, but uh, happy to knock this one out. I'm sure you don't miss me since we've spent every waking moment together this entire month. But I do. Uh, your good your vacation your spot there looks glorious. Yeah, a little Airbnb action in front of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, we don't have running water in terms, I mean, hot running water. So we've been boiling uh, pans and pouring it into the bathtub to bathe our child at night. Mm. Uh, but we got 50% off of what we thought we were going to pay for. So, you know, you know, it's worked called, out well I think for that's me. called glamping. Isn't that called glamping? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And hopefully it'll turn back on and we'll keep the deal. Uh, Dave, what's going on? I saw you were in Boulder and, you know, I don't know what, did you buy property there yet or what? <laughs> we're working on it. We're working on it. I need, I need to run by, uh, my my wife, if she would take that trade, the fifty percent off or no hot no hot water, I feel like I know the answer to that, and it is almost certainly certainly well, no. <laughs> the fifty percent off thing was great because fifty percent off wasn't like three hundred dollars; like it was a lot of money for the house that we got. Yeah. So like, and Britt was like, "Hey, maybe we should move houses," and I'm like, "What's more inconvenient, packing up our entire house with the baby?" And going somewhere else that we don't know if it, it works in a worse location or just taking a cold shower and boiling water for the baby and getting half off. And we chose the right one. So uh, feeling pretty good and, about and it. And you're doing and like minute long cold showers. That's what you're doing. Well, I don't know if you know this about me. You do, Max. I take because of Dan Rubensy and the solid verbal. I take 45 second cold showers at the end of shower every shower I do anyway. So it's not that big of a deal for me. But for the baby and for my wife, I can understand why that would be uncomfortable and you know, every now and then the hot water kicks on. So I'm going to try to stay as enlightened when it comes to that. Yeah. yeah. No, she, Ari, she Ari, is this to avoid the, is it to avoid the post shower sweat? Uh, Dan Rubinson told me that if you take a cold shower and you like get ice cold all over your body, I'm talking like every crevice. It's a podcast. Crevice isn't a bad word, but like if you get it all over, it jolts your energy. 
it feels like your skin's tighter. You get like more alert and it kind of is a post shower high that kind of keeps with you for um, some time being, and it kind of keeps you more sharp. And I thought that was kind of a weird thing. And then I started doing it and then I found that he was right. So um, if you've never done this, this before, you should try this. And it takes about a week to adjust because there's nothing harder than it's like ice cold water for 45 seconds. You know, you're, you know, you know how it goes when you're a guy and you're in cold water, like all, the whole thing, the whole experience happens. Um, but when you get out and you finally dry off and put your clothes on, it's a pretty invigorating feeling. And, it, and I've come to crave and look forward to that feeling. So, okay. We thought we were going to be quick today and we're three minutes into the show and I'm talking about turtling and not quarterback. So let's, uh, let's get into it. Um, <laughs> let's try to stay out of the hot water here. So what we're doing here, guys, is we are going to be discussing uh, five quarterbacks each. Um, that we are most intrigued to watch this year. It doesn't mean five best. It doesn't mean, um, you know, five most likely to be drafted in the first round. It means five most intriguing quarterbacks that you just are drawn to watching this year. And before we get into it, um, like always, I want to remind everybody to rate and subscribe uh, to the podcast, uh, wherever you listen, Apple, Spotify, you know, wherever you listen, it helps us out. And if you could leave a nice review, um, that'd be great. And if you leave a mean review, um, just evaluate why you would do that. Like, it doesn't make sense to me, but, uh, I, I hate it. I, I don't know what goes through people's minds when they do that. Um, and then of course, if you want to watch our beautiful faces on YouTube, the link is in the show's description and the cool graphics that our producer Cam Molina does are always awesome. And it works out great. Okay. Let's talk about football. Um, we'll start with you, Max, who is one of your five. Okay. I think, I feel like this is, I'd be surprised if this guy isn't on one of your lists. I'm going to say Jalen Milrow from Alabama. Is he on your list or no? I have I have unnamed Alabama quarterback on my list. I, <laughs> okay, I remain right, unconvinced that Jalen Milrow will win the job, but we can dis- we can we can Let, talk. Let's about have it. that conversation. I have Ari. unnamed <laughs> starter at Alabama on my list too. Uh, but <laughs> well, if, J- if Jalen Milrow wins the job, whoever it is. You know, Ubbin over here is pissing off half of the podcast feed talking about Alabama going nine and three. Um, it's like, is there a possibility? Ralph Russo, our buddy at the AP, texted me said, "Hey, I'm picking Alabama to win a national title." I don't know how a human being could do that this year, but if Jalen Milrow is awesome, then maybe it's possible. Max, why'd you put him there? You're saying Jake Coker ain't walking through that door? Um, you know, I, I went with Jalen Milrow. I think, you know, it's funny. I was in Nashville this weekend um, for the the personnel symposium of um, like about 500 recruiting staffers uh, from across the country. And I was having a conversation with with a staffer about this. Their opinion, they don't play Bama this year, but their opinion was Jalen Milrow is the guy of the three in the competition they would least like to play against. I think that, that mm-hmm. the dynamic he brings in the run game is is the thing that scares you. Like you can definitely question where is he at as a passer, uh, you know how many? Uh, what, what kind of strides has he made uh, under new OC Tommy Reese? But um, that's an ability he's got. He, he flashed it a little bit in his chances last year. You know, if you take out the sacks, he averaged ten yards per carry last year. I think that adds a ton of value on third downs and, and can get Alabama out of trouble um, as they kind of figure things out offensively with a, with a new system and all that. I don't think Tyler Buckner transfers there unless he's like given pretty good assurance that he could be the guy. Like I think he would have gone to Stanford or somewhere else where he would definitely be the starter. So it's a little, I always thought that was a little alarming that move that he made and, and, and what that suggested about the state of the 
you know, position battle coming out of spring ball here. And look, Jalen Milrow, like, if he doesn't take care of the football, he's going to get benched. There's there's no, no no doubt. Like, PFF has this stat, turn, turnover-worthy plays. And last two years, uh, Bryce Young, his, his turnover-worthy plays has only been 2% of plays um, in, in each of the last two seasons. It was 2% for Mac Jones as well. In a small sample last year, for Jalen Milrose, 10%. So if he does that, if he makes mistakes or, or almost makes a ton of mistakes, like then somebody else is going to get a chance. But I think Milrow is the one on this list of the guys that like is the true like college football playoff, like wild card guy. I, the one that you kind of uh, question the most. And like when you look at their schedule, you know, is he still going to be the guy? It, it, will he win the job, first of all? And then will he still be the guy going into October when they, you know, when it's time to go play Tennessee and LSU? Like the way that that battle plays out is is going to be absolutely fascinating. I, I do think Milrow, not unlike Corn, does have the juice more than any of the other guys that, that we're talking about on this list. Um, I, I think that when you look at what Tommy Reese wants to do, I'm very curious if we're going to see a lot more, um, you know, called runs for quarterbacks. And certainly if you do that, you know, Buckner is pretty mobile. Milrow, that top end speed, he can, he can give. So I'll put it this way. If, if Alabama does exceed already relatively high expectations, if they do win a national title, if they're playing for a national title, I think he's the guy that does give you that 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 best chance because I think he could be the 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 best odds to turn into a impact player. As it stands right now, I don't think any of these three guys will be true impact players, but I think they can definitely impact Alabama's final win loss record. And I think if you're going to use quarterback run game a little bit more, um, like we've seen Tom Reese do, I, I think Milrow makes a lot of sense. But I, I I think at the end of the day, um. You might see multiple quarterbacks at Bama if we're this late in the season and you mm-hmm. don't already know. You know, when's the last time? Was it Coker and Sims? Is that the last time we saw that? And if, I, if well, I'm not mistaken, they won say, the championship it, last year it, or that it year. It does remind you 2016 a little bit, right? I mean, going into that mm-hmm. season opener against USC, is it Blake Barnett? Is it Cooper Bateman? And then Jalen Hurts in the second half of that game really takes the job. And mm-hmm. he was a true freshman at the time. Miller's got a little bit more experience than that. But I, it, it reminds me of that one a little bit, not to say that's how it's going to play out. The thing that I think is interesting about him is that I watched him last year and I didn't think that guy stinks. I thought he's got a lot of potential to build off of if he takes a huge step in the offseason. So like a lot of people think that he stinks. Now, the one thing that um, Dave said in a previous show, I think, was that in college football in 2023, you have to have a team and an offense that can score 40 points against an elite defense to win a national championship. And we're not talking about a, a, a team that views success in any other realm besides winning games in that in that realm so if he is really good or pretty good and they win 10 games because he's pretty good that's still not Alabama standard like do they have a player on this team at the quarterback position that can put them in a legitimate position to win a national championship this year I think that person based on what we've seen with our eyes is Milrow Um, but I put unnamed Alabama starter because I have eagle eyes on whatever happens with that team and at that position. So I think it's definitely somebody that should be on your list. And all three of us have this team on our list in one way or the other for a reason. So it's a good pick, Max. All right, Dave, what's your, who's your, who's your first person out of the shoot here? My number one would be Mr. Bazooka, Joe Milton. Uh, listen, there's always the sort of uh, idea 
that, well, a team's only as good as their quarterback or can only go as far as their quarterback. And that's more true than not, but it might not be more true with any team in the country this year than Tennessee. And there might not be a more intriguing guy to fit that bill than Joe Milton. He might be the most tantalizing, the most toolsy quarterback that we've seen in college football because you see little flashes of it. You see, oh my gosh, who is this guy? I mean, I think the comparisons to Anthony Richardson are very, very fair with him in that there's a lot of flaws, but there's also, he can do a lot of things that not a lot of people can do. You know, you're talking about, first of all, just a tank of a human being. He's ridiculously large. If you guys have not seen him in person, I mean, every bit of 6'4", 6'5", 240, 250. I mean, he is gigantic. Uh, These arm strength, it's kind of whatever. Like, I don't think that matters that much. Like, I don't really care that you can throw a ball 80 yards. I think the velocity that he has allows him to make some throws. If you saw that throw he made in the back of the end zone of Brew McCoy in the uh, Orange Bowl, I was sitting in the end zone in that game in the press box, and the window that he put that through with the amount of velocity he had on I think velocity matters a lot more uh, than how far you can throw it, and the dude can fire it in there, and I think that can matter. But ultimately, when you're talking about Joe Milton for me, the big question for him is, can you put that all together? He can win you some games, no question. But can he also be the guy that doesn't lose you games? Because I think two of the lasting images of Joe Milton are him sailing balls to wide open receivers downfield against Pitt in 2021 that were a big factor in why he lost that job to Hannon Hooker and him sort of drifting out of bounds um, in the final seconds against Ole Miss in the crazy game instead of throwing it up in the end zone and, and sort of made people pull their hair out in that sort of game. So, you know, he ended the season uh, last year really, really well. I think the potential is there. I talked to Joey Halsley about him, you know, in Miami for quite a while, and, and they think he's grown a lot and uh, and understands a little bit more how to harness a lot of that arm strength. But can you do it every single week? If you can, Tennessee might be back in the playoff hunt. If you can't, they're probably dropping to seven and eight wins. He has maybe as acute uh, uh, a impact on his team's win-loss record this year as maybe anybody in the country as well as just a fun guy to watch. So Joe Milton is my number one. Is that a high patient situation too, David, you think? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to make assumptions about where Nico's at in his development, but mm-hmm. is that one where like if it's a little bumpy, they, they're going to ride with him? I would say probably. I think it's going to have to get real bumpy. I think like multiple back-to-back games with like three picks and you lose them both against teams you probably shouldn't lose to before you even sort of broach the conversation. So you know, define that leash however you'd like. I think you hear them talk a big game with like, oh, Nico's doing great, he's coming along. But I think that conversation, without them saying it, probably happens in the expectation that like, we don't need him to be ready this year. We need him to be Mm. like, not looking like he's totally lost. He's probably there. Um, But can he be the guy? You know, this team, you, you forget, this coaching staff is the same coaching staff that brought him in fresh post-spring 2021 and gave him the job ahead of uh, Hennon Hooker. And they were big believers in him then. That belief, especially when he sticks around for two years, waits his turn again, doesn't transfer a second time, that belief has only intensified. And this fall, we'll we'll see if it's rewarded. I didn't put him on my list because I knew that you were going to take five minutes of this podcast to put him on here. He he definitely would be on my list. But um, Mm -hmm. the thing I like about him the most, too, is just like, in this world uh, where measurables are king, it's like, could he be the top three pick 
in the draft. Absolutely on, that's absolutely like it's on, the, on table. the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I want to remind people, if you are listening to this list, it's not that we are not excited to watch Caleb Williams or Drake may play football this year. It's that we already know that they're awesome. And that's why it's not as intriguing as some of the guys on this list. So I just wanted to reiterate that it's not best or most likely to go number one in the draft. It's most intriguing players for multiple reasons. Like I have guys who probably aren't top 30 quarterbacks on my list. So we'll see how it goes. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. My number one. Could you guys want to guess? I'm going to guess his name starts with a Q, and uh, he was probably named after a famed 1990s television show starring Jane Seymour. I, I think it's Malik Murphy. Who's it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, if he was playing, he would be on my list. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I need like a three minute preamble to discuss why I think <gasps> Quinn Ewers is my number one guy. My question is. How did he get to a point where people thought he wasn't good last year? Um, and doesn't he seem to have the tools that you necessary to take a huge step and become one of the top five players at his position this year? I think Texas is an ultra intriguing program in general. Um, I've discussed on the show that I think that they're going to make the playoff this year. And part of the reason why is because Quinn is going to take a huge jump. Um, I just really just want to see it happen or I, I want to see him. And if he stinks, or uh, takes a step back or isn't what he was supposed to be, then we'll, that that's a very intriguing storyline as well. I don't know how you could be interested in the sport this year and not be, you know, on the edge of your seat waiting to watch him in Texas play this year. I think a lot of it's just context. Like, I think, I think too many times there's the conversation around guys can be shaped by people that don't pay attention to a lot of factors. I think people forget he reclassified. He moved up. So you skip your senior year of high school. You don't play at Ohio State. And then when you do play, you're basically a true freshman, redshirt freshman in eligibility, but you're basically a true freshman and you're hurt. Well, like that's asking a lot. And they were still asking him to be the guy. And he was still really good at times, average a lot of the time, but certainly showed you enough that when you're adding all those things up, a lot of expectation. Texas is kind of a tough place to play football, quite frankly, the expectations that are on there. A true freshman battling injury, you know, if you can stay healthy, you have another year of an offseason in the system uh, where you're that guy, and then you've obviously got two really good quarterbacks behind you um, that are pushing you, that are pretty smart guys as well. I, the the pieces are there for the breakthrough, Aria. As much as I give you a, a hard time about Texas, it's on, on paper, I, I see it. Well, and specifically on the pieces, everyone I've talked to around that program that no disrespect to Ohio state or anybody else, but like they, I think there's a real belief there 
the Texas has one of the most talented receiver rooms in the country. Um, mm-hmm. The addition of A.D. Mitchell from Georgia has been massive. Um, they think that's going to really help Xavier Worthy, too, in terms of the matchup he gets. Um, I, you know, J.T. Sanders, one of the best tight ends in the country. A lot of optimism about what they can get out of Jordan Whittington, out of Isaiah Nair. And, and the, the freshman group led by Ryan Niblett, um, big expectations for them. So I think that that supporting cast for Quinn Ewers or whoever is starting for Texas, I, yeah, I would assume Quinn Ewers, um, you know, over the course of the full season. Um, you know, I think that that is going to make whoever it is look pretty good. I think people forgot about Isaiah Nair, by the way. Was he he was one of the top what three receivers in the portal market last year and then uh, tore up his knee in the preseason? Yeah, fall camp injury. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. back and and um <laughs> it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty talented room. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. they have a really good offensive line this year. So like I think that they are gonna be scoring in the forties every week. And if they are, then their quarterback who shaved his mullet will be a big part of that. So I think shaving the mullet is serious business. And, uh, you know, the big 12 in 2008, Ari, I don't know about in the forties every week. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, what do you, what, I mean, the best teams in the country offensively average in the upper thirties usually. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Top of the list is forties. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think it was, it was crazy to think that. I, I think that, that, uh, when you add up all the pieces there and the teams that they're playing, that they should score a lot of points this year. Um, okay. Max, your number. Did anybody else have him on their list, by the way? No, I, I figured you I had a premonition you that you would. Us, yeah. Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> we'll see that we're going to, we're going to cover everything because we all know each other very well. Okay. Max, who's you, who's another one on your list? Um, I'm going to go Tanner Mordecai from Wisconsin. Um, I think the fit's really good here. Um, I, I'm just really interested to see is he is he a guy that can really kind of put it all together in his one year uh, in Madison. I mean, he can he can really sling it. If you if you take the last two seasons uh, combined, he ranks number eight nationally in passing yards and number four in passing touchdowns. Um, kind of that that prime example of of nowadays that player that. Um, is going to go take year six at a school instead of going pro because he's got the extra year. Um, you know, I think that Phil Longo offense, they, they, it's, it's a, it's a very simplified offense. Like, I don't think it's going to be hard for Tanner Mordecai to operate that at a high level. Um, in, in just in one off season with Phil Longo, you know, that's an offense. If you look at, um, the North Carolina days for Longo, they were top 20 offense every year in terms of total offense. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. but you also saw in 2020, um, when they had Javante Williams and Michael Carter, they could play to their strengths in the run game. And I think when you got, and Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi makes makes the job a little bit easier for for Tanner Mordecai. So I think you know ultimately is the receiving core good enough? I think is the interesting question. You know they brought in a bunch of transfers um, who I think really upgrade that group. Um, but I think Tanner Mordecai has a chance to be as productive as anybody in the country uh, if he can stay healthy and that thing can really click. And uh, one right. of more, one Go of the ahead. more intriguing programs in the country too. So you add in a quarterback who. Um, you know, transfers in who comes from a pass first offense. They've got a new offensive coordinator there and Luke Fickle's taking over a program that wants to take a jump from being a perennial top or 10 win team to a team that can win a playoff game. Um, year one, that's the face of the team. I just think that the storyline in general is also intriguing. I think it'll be hard to be the face of change. If you're Tanner Mordecai, I, I don't envy him there. Now I was born in the great state uh, of Minnesota and then moved to the South uh, when I was like four and I've been there for most of the rest of my life, uh, with a detour in Texas. So I can't speak to the football culture in Wisconsin, uh, quite as much as maybe you could are. You spent a little bit more time, um, in the, in the Midwest up North, but I'm curious if things don't go sort of smoothly in year one, how many times is he going to be out and somebody grabs him by the lapel and says, Hey, tell coach to run the dang ball. Cause I feel like that would have happened in the South in a lot of places. 
if you had built so much of your identity around uh, running the bang ball like you've seen um, Wisconsin do for a long time and do things. They can talk about balance. They can talk about all the things they want. This is an offense that I think is going to be built around throwing to open up the run, and that is a very, very different world that you're living in. And I think Tanner Mordecai is going to be the face of that change, and I think he he was on my list. I think I had him number four, and it's very interesting to me um, you know what that experience will be like because if it doesn't go well, I think he will catch um, a lot of the heat there, and that's that's a lot of pressure. It's a very interesting spot for him. I got had so much um, success at SMU, uh, obviously the last couple of years, and and you know initially started at Oklahoma, a guy who's seen big time football. But that that's going to be an interesting spot. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that handles you know big picture along with just <laughs> how he plays. Is there a bigger uh, identity change? between playing at SMU and then going to old Wisconsin. Like if you were like to make that transfer before they made that change there, uh, you know, I don't know if, if I think that the throw first mentality, I mean, if that's, what's going to be the, the Phil Longo route there, I I think that they have a a good offensive line and a great running back. And I'm I'm assuming they're still going to run the ball a ton. So um, I think that there's a way to, um, still rely on the run while also being a proficiently good passing team. And I'm very curious and the intrigue of this whole thing is how is Wisconsin going to do it? So I think both make uh, at points there. And I'm also excited. He didn't make my list because I have a few dumpster fires on mine or one uh, <laughs> that I'm just intrigued because I can't wait to see it, which we'll get to. Um, but certainly also guys, I don't know if it's just because we're in the middle of August, but this is a pretty hard list to dwindle down to five. I don't know if you guys had a it hard was. time with this. Yeah. There's a lot of really intriguing quarterbacks out there this year. So if you don't make the list, it's not because we didn't try. At the end of the podcast, uh, let's just say a series of names yeah. that we didn't just names <laughs> we didn't think of. You remember know? some guys around, right? Just remember yell some names. And everybody, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll play on that. We'll second? save space. Uh, let's do it, man. Let's have the Shador Sanders conversation right now. I just got back <laughs> from Boulder. Uh, listen. Woo! We have no idea how good he is. I Listen, I believe Travis Hunter is special. I think he is going to be unbelievable. Shador, we have no idea. Um, the arm talent, I think, is rather obvious with him. I think he's going to have a bunch of really good receivers. It's a good system. They're basically running the Baylor offense out there with Sean Lewis. Up-tempo, power spread, the simplest way to break that down. But can the offensive line hold up? I think it's the biggest question. You're rebuilding it in one offseason. You know, we'll see how they end up, you know, starting. I think three or four of the starters will be guys that were not there in the spring. And the fact there's literally nobody behind him. Um, you know, if he goes down, Colorado is in trouble. I think Dion said this weekend that uh, he's he has not missed a game since he was seven years old. I need to fact check that. Uh, but that's an interesting stat if it's true. That's but why they didn't a little, take a QB2 yeah, in the portal? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but like, interesting. You know, it's it's just it's an interesting spot to be because, you know, again, Shador played private school in Texas. All the private schools in Texas play each other. They do not play the big-time program. So he he's a really good player. High three-star, low four-star-ish. Was headed to Florida Atlantic to play for Lane Kiffin, and then his dad got the job at Jackson State. And then he goes to Jackson State playing in the SWAC where their team was a lot better than everybody else. And so, you know, he's setting up picnics in the pocket. Uh, guys going to receivers that are open by two and three steps. We just don't know. I, I believe in his arm talent, but can you process, can you make decisions, you know, when you're uh, running around? Uh, Uncle Neely, the uh, uh, YouTube chronicler of the program, threw out a stat that he believes that so far in uh, their camp, this was about three or four days ago, he had thrown 89 passes and team drills 
22 touchdowns and no interceptions. Now, that might be a commentary on the state of Colorado's secondary. We will see. Dion was very uh, critical of them when I was out there. But, again, the arm talent is there. But how this all works, the chemistry, all of that stuff, uh, you know, what is the ceiling for him is an interesting question because I don't really know. Like, if you told me he played his way into the first-round conversation, you know, like, by November, I guess that's possible. And if people are talking about him as a bum in November, maybe that's possible, too. I, I think his range of outcomes is so wide that I I really don't know what to expect, and it's going to be very, very interesting. I'll be doing a bunch of Colorado stuff this this fall, so keep an eye out for that. All right, I have, I have a little game for you here, David. Okay. 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 Here's what I'm going to offer you. <laughs> If Shadur Sanders, let's say Shadur Sanders finishes the season with 3,200 passing yards on 64% passing, 28 total touchdowns, nine interceptions, he plays all 13 games. Like, would you take that right now if you're Colorado? Yeah, I think so. I think that's all. I think those are all reasonable numbers. I mean, this offense, again, like. Do do you want to know where I came up with those? Please tell me. That's Cameron Ward last year at Washington State. All right. I like and, the and I, I looked that up because he made the jump from FCS as well. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's possible. I think that was a bit of a more stable situation, probably. Yeah. Team with a winning record. I, I, the conversation around him is interesting because I don't know how good he is, but the idea that he's like a Nepo baby is really silly. Like, and I think Dion, he bristled at that. Um, somebody asked a question about the backup quarterback and Dion was like, well, now you can't say it like that. Go watch the clip if you haven't seen it. It's very funny. Like most Dion press conferences are, are, theater in their own way um so you know could Dion have tried to get a better quarterback out of the portal I I don't know I I certainly know he didn't try we've never seen a coach introduce a starting quarterback at his introductory press conference that's new um so it may not matter I think there's a trust there I think that does matter like his only coach Shador's ever had is is Dion so it's just a fascinating situation that a lot of people are going to be watching I did I had him on my list too I almost didn't because they're going to stink and I couldn't leave him off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like everything you said, uh, what's it going to look like and how's it going to go? I mean, and how good is he um, are three questions that, you know, in the most intriguing coaching change ever, maybe um, in the him being Dion's son, like you can't be, he's on your list too, Max, I assume, or is he not? I, Dave already said he was going to be on the list. So I thought I'd <laughs> throw in some extra okay. names here. He okay, should. I mean, he's good. no doubt a top five intriguing. Like, what? Yeah, are we you're not? a good yes. podcaster because you know there's more. We're going to spread the wealth. Okay, I'm going to have one yeah. that I think maybe might be only on mine. Okay. Uh, Graham Mertz from Florida. Oh uh, Was just named the starter this year, and listen, I watched Graham Mertz play at Wisconsin quite a bit. Don't ask me why. I did, and there was a lot, a lot, a lot of. Did, painful did you have moments. a vested interest in Graham Mertz games? Uh, no, I just, uh, you know, well, sometimes, uh, I don't know. I, I watched it because, you know, Has when he, he committed there, he was, uh, no, he's helped me. I think. Okay. All right. I watched it. Uh, I watched it quite a bit, but I felt there were times where I legitimately felt bad for him watching him play. And I don't know if it's because he just didn't develop the way that they thought he would, or if it was a system mismatch or whatever, but you got to remember that when Graham Mertz committed to Wisconsin, he was supposed to be the new frontier of Wisconsin football into, you know, better seasons than 10 and two. He was supposed to be the guy that helped them throw it. And not only did he not help them throw it, it's like they were just like wishing he was Jim Sorge the whole time, you know, like, and it's just, it didn't work out now on the flip side, 
He's transferring to Florida, a place that is in a very interesting position with a second-year head coach in Billy Napier where people are wondering, uh, does he have to have a good season this year in order to keep his job? You know, I don't know if that's a fair discussion, but that is a discussion. And he is hitching his wagon to a player who was once considered ultra-talented, was a complete disaster at Wisconsin, and now was like starting in the SEC in a program that expects to win national championships. And I don't know if I'm saying something that doesn't make sense here, but like, um, that to me is an intriguing situation, is it not? Graham Mertz is number three on my list. So- okay. Oh, you were shaking your head at me like I was full of shit. I was like, God, what did, what did I? Okay, yeah. He, no, no, no. Is this a buy low situation for you, Ari? Or is it just a... I, if he goes out with Florida in week one and throws four picks and is awful, that is intriguing to me. The, the list is intriguing quarterbacks. I think yeah. that the storyline there is they cannot leave off this list storyline. My first memory of Graham Mertz, of course, 20 of 21, five touchdowns in his first start ever against Illinois in 2020. Yeah, and I remember. like yeah. you, I, I was kind of like, oh, Wisconsin. You know, this is like, uh, this is yeah. a real situation here. Since then... He has thrown, uh, let's see here, he has more more than two touchdowns in one, two, three games since then. One of which was against Northwestern last year, which barely It's terrifying. Uh, and one four interception game uh, against Notre Dame. I, part of me wonders, maybe, if he sort of screwed himself or hurt the narrative around himself when you come out of the gate like that hot that quickly and the expectation I mean it's like a it's like the Mel Tucker disease at Michigan State where like you have this explosive debut and then it sort of shifts people's expectations of you in a way that's kind of unfair to yourself maybe that's happened with him because like the conversation around Graham Mertz most of the offseason is like making fun of Florida of like oh you can't do any better than getting Graham Mertz which may or may yeah. not be true i think ultimately Billy Napier has done a heck of a job um, you know, uh, developing and, and finding quarterbacks. And, you know, Anthony Richardson was kind of a weird situation there. But, like, do you believe that Graham Mertz is more or less, more or close to the same talent level as, like, Leo Lewis? Levi Lewis? Levi Lewis, excuse me. Leo Lewis is a boxer, is he not? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, Leo Lewis is a sure. former linebacker sure, from... Pal. Uh, from Mississippi State, who was the subject of a major NCAA violation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I think that's yes, a fair point. Levi Lewis. I think that's a fair point. You know, the, the thing with – I was looking up some Graham Mertz stats today just because that's what, what's what anyone would do in the middle of August as we get ready for the season. <laughs> um, the completion percentage has gone down every season. It was 57% last year. He has started 32 games in college and has zero 300-yard passing games. And oh the God. total TDs to total turnovers <laughs> – is 46 to 34 so far. He's um, winning. Look, but I but like <laughs> it, it's it's kind of a funny question though. Like if you go to the, look at this the QBs in this portal cycle, like who is the guy? I'm not going to say Graham Mertz is the guy, but like who's the guy that could have like the Penix kind of year, like the comeback year and you're like holy crap, he's amazing. Like is it Devin Leary? Is it DJ? Is it Brennan Armstrong? Like I I don't know. There's some interesting candidates on that list. Yeah. Uh my whole thing is if I were the head coach of Florida, like, wouldn't you want to go in? And I'm saying Malik Murphy would w- have wanted to leave Texas. But, like, why is Malik Murphy not starting at a place like Florida this year? It's a great question. When Graham Mertz is. Like, question. that to me mm. is like, that's what I think about. You know, I'm like, 
you know, we made a Malik Murphy joke, but I was at the Elite 11 regional in uh Are, are you saying Austin. why didn't Florida's collective offer an extreme amount of money to a quarterback this offseason? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even saying a quarter. I'm not even saying just Florida. I'm just saying, like, I walked by this guy. <laughs> I don't know what could have gone wrong there, Max, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I walked by him in the bleachers and I because I wrote about him two years ago when he went to Texas. And then I saw him for the first time. The, the man has grown. He is humongous. I think that he probably is Joe Milton-esque in person. Like, I've never <laughs> seen Joe Milton in the last years in person. Um, and it's like that guy is like in a world where everybody's transferring. Like being the starting quarterback at Florida is a great place to be. It's like, would you rather back up Quinn Ewers and get caught in the middle of a ice cream sandwich with, uh, you know, Arch on the other side of you, or would you that's rather be the starting quarterback at Florida? Right. Just, just for the record, uh, that's reverse I mean, ice cream sandwich. Are you saying ice cream's worse than cookies? <laughs> like, what does that mean? I don't even know why I said that. He's the ice cream in the middle of the sandwich. All right, have you seen an ice cream sandwich before? Yeah, there's no bad part of an ice cream sandwich. What are we saying here? <laughs> yeah, that was bad. <laughs> I'm just going to put my hands up and say, sorry, guys, I didn't mean to ruin the show and possibly the evening. Um, I, I, uh, I uh, just being caught in the middle of a sandwich is like what people say. You don't want to be in the middle of a sandwich, right? Should I say, like, I don't want to be in the middle of a shit sandwich. Like, I don't know. Like, what is it getting worse? It's not going great for you, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I just wouldn't want to be better direction. We could keep going. I would, I wouldn't want to be in between those two when I could be a starter at an SEC program. Yeah. So when I look at Graham Mertz being being the starting quarterback with all those stats you guys just read off and the fact that it's just looked blatantly uncomfortable at times, like from the eye test, it's like that is the person that Billy Napier, who is in a critical spot in his coaching tenure right now. Now, the recruiting class for this year is is looking great. Um, I think he just got a borderline top 100 player to commit as we're recording this. Um, it, It seems like a huge gamble on a guy that could get fired at the end of the year. That's incredibly intriguing theater. To, 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 to extend the metaphor, all right, w- would you say Quinn Ewers, is he the rock or is he the hard place that Malik Murphy's in between here? <laughs> when you are between a rock and a hard place, does that mean like you're pinned against the wall? Uh, I don't know. Sure. Um, stretching it out. At the end of the day, you're between a mullet and a manning at the end of, you know, a mullet and a manning go. is a good between way to put it. Between a mullet and a manning. Yeah. I just wouldn't want to be between those two and any any version of it. Um, yeah, well, at the end of the day, if you I, do, you're, you don't want to be the guy keeping Arch Manning off the field, right? That's a like for a class, a certain yeah. class of college football fan. Like that's an annoying place to be. Where even if he's great, there's going to be a, a sect of people grumbling. Like literally every time you throw an incompletion, like you're keeping a future Hall of Famer off the field. <laughs> like what are you doing? We got this kid. Yeah. He's going to be the next Peyton Manning. It's like maybe, but like. That just would be an annoying place if I'm Malik Murphy. But we have to also reserve the thought or the possibility that Graham Hurts turns out to be awesome, which would it's also be incredible and that, theater. You know, yeah. can they run the ball with Trevor Etienne and Montreal yeah. Johnson and kind of let him be a play-action kind of guy and just not yeah. put it all on his plate, you know? I'm not buying it, but I'm not buying it, but it's not impossible. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. 
StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Okay, I think we've got one time through the the merry-go-round here. Uh, left to go here. Um, Max, who is your final? Do you have two guys left? Yeah, two left. Okay, why don't you just go with your more intriguing one here? Okay, uh, I'm going to say, I, I'm guessing this guy's maybe not on your guys' list. Uh, I'm going to go Tyler Shuck from Texas Tech. Um, I think that's a pretty interesting yep. quarterback situation there. He's a guy that, if if you don't know the timeline on Tyler Shuck, 2018-2019 at Oregon, he backs up Justin Herbert. 2020, he's the starter. During the COVID year, the shortened year, um, he gets some, you know, that Oregon gets into the Pac-12 title game that year. But by the end of the season, the staff is kind of putting Anthony Brown in games, too. So he leaves at the end of that season um, and, and goes to Texas Tech. Looks like he's ready for for a big year in 2021. Breaks his collarbone in the Big 12 opener against Texas. 2022, he comes back. Shoulder injury in the season opener. Misses six games. Comes back. Leads him, Texas Tech to four wins in a row to finish. I, I, I thought he played really well against Oklahoma and Ole Miss to finish out. Um, I, I think, you know, obviously people point to, you know, how talented Baron Morton is in that competition, but, but th- this staff really believes in Tyler Shuck. I think they really feel like he is the guy that can execute Zach Kittley's offense at a super high level. Now that he's been in it for a full year. I love the pieces around him with Taj Brooks, Miles Price, Duran Bradley. I think the O-line should be solid. And, you know, Tyler Shuck, because of the injury kind of flies the, all the injuries, he kind of flies under the national radar a little bit, but, Maybe this guy could be like this year's Max Duggan, possibly. And, and honestly, I was surprised that uh, AP voters left Texas Tech out of the, the preseason top 25. I think they're they're pretty dangerous this year. Yeah, we got to get him one of those suits like the little kid in Little Giants wore, like when he's walking around campus or at practice or I mean, maybe even games if it's legal. But uh, Max, for our listeners who pay attention to our or who listen to our Big 12 preview, I just refer to him as future Big 12 champion Tyler Shuck. So. Uh, I don't know if Ari would disagree with that, but that's that's from it. I'm, I'm all in on him. High. <laughs> everyone's high on the Red Raiders, and I'm excited to watch that Oregon game in week two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is like TCU kind of came out of nowhere, and everybody seems to be on the tech bandwagon. It's like, can you do it when people are looking out for you to do it? You know. So uh, we have a, a guest appearance here uh, from my little daughter. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, so what's the 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 next guy on your list, Dave. This man left me absolutely floored last season. Uh, and that I could not really understand how this happens. Uh, Brendan Armstrong in 2021 threw for 4,449 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 picks, uh, completed 6 percent of his passes, uh, 8.9 yards in attempt, also ran for nine scores. He and Robert and I were magic. Last year... 2,210 yards, seven touchdowns, 12 picks, completes 54% of his passes, six and a half yards per attempt. It was hard to watch, um, you know, under Tony Elliott in year one. I don't know what the deal is with the Dabo coaching tree um, between Jeff Scott being one of the few people who can't win at USF and Tony Elliott getting off to an absolutely nightmare start at, uh, uh, at Virginia, Brandon Streeter, gets sort of sent packing um, after I guess it was one or two years as the OC there. I don't know what's going on with the coaching tree from Dabo, but all I know is we get the reuniting of Robert and I and Brandon Armstrong at NC state. Now I'm very fascinated to see how this plays out. Can you go back to Brandon Armstrong was not that far from the Heisman conversation. Uh, he came on, especially late in the season in 2021. He was like, you know, 
one big uh, showcase game away from really having uh, you know uh, a interesting situation. It's also interesting if Bronco Mendenhall doesn't retire, what happens? It, you know, can how much of what he did um, was that partnership with Robert and I? I'm, I'm very fascinated to see how that plays out um, under Dave Doran. And also, quick stat for you guys: I was looking at, at at NC State. Are you aware that eight of the last nine seasons? At NC State, Dave Doran has won between seven and nine games. Real steady. It's an interesting place. place to be. Can you break that streak in a good way? If you if this thing comes together, you know it's it's not impossible. Did you have him on your list, Max? I did not. It's a good it's a good inclusion, though. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if we're talking about guys that are just like kind of have wild card written all over them, I think Armstrong mm-hmm. is high on that list for sure. Yeah. Okay, guys. I don't what know do how we got to minute 41 minutes and 22 seconds before anybody said the name Drew Aller. How <laughs> on earth? Ari, I took him, hey, he was hey, on hey. my list. I took him off in respect to you. No, this, we're, is, on this you. is me and Dave clearing the paint. Let, let's go, <laughs> yeah. Ari. Take it, take it to the hole here. Ari, I apologize well, for not letting you cook on your Texas take on one of our first podcasts. So, yes. Yeah. This is, this is me. Uh, Right, we're, right now, we are the Dwayne Wade, LeBron James uh, photo. I'm throwing it up to you. So have at it. <laughs> you, know, you know, Ari, he, well, well, that, that spending a year behind NFL draft pick Sean Clifford, I think is going to be very beneficial for him. Mm-hmm. You see Clifford throwing some dimes in that uh, Packers I preseason game over clips. the weekend, too? <laughs> I was shook. I was shook. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, you need to send an apology to Sam Con, Dave, because when you didn't let me cook on my Texas take, I like downloaded all that frustration out onto him on a show that ran <laughs> like three days later and like i don't know if he's like recovered from that yet listen penn state might be a top five team in the country this year playing in what i believe will probably be the toughest division in college football this year and i just need to know is he going to be the first top three round or top two round quarterback that penn state has had during a year where they have a ton of production back and will he be good enough to get them a win over michigan or ohio state and put them in a position to potentially not only win the Big Ten, but make the college football playoff this year. It is a very hard position to be in when you finally have the best team that you've you've had under James Franklin to come in uh, during the same year where Michigan's also really good and maybe the best version of itself that they've had under Jim Harbaugh. And Ohio State is, well, Ohio State. So I, Penn State's had some really good quarterbacks. I mean, Trace McSorley was a pleasure to watch. I mean, I remember freshman year Christian Hackenberg was – you know, John Elway in his prime, Easy. you know, like I remember, Easy. you know, um, <laughs> but what if like, what if they got their guy and this guy turns out to be a legitimate first round pick who is there for two more years. And like, this is his coming out party. They make the playoff this year. Like that is a Heisman trophy campaign story right there. Um, I don't know if, you know, he has to go out and play and do it. I know he was a five star and everybody thinks I just like him because he's a five star. But I fell in love with like his actual physical tools, the Elite Eleven, before you know he ever got to Penn State. So um, Penn State to me is one of the more intriguing teams to watch this year, um, and they're going to be playing in a ton of big games. And will their quarterback rise to the occasion? I think is just clearly one of the five most interesting quarterback scenarios that we have this year. And you guys, thanks for clearing well, the paint for me. I think you'll listen. I, I think the, the simplest way, if you want to climb the ladder from any rung to another rung. Kansas going from half a win to six wins. Well, how'd they do it? Impact player at quarterback. Jalen Daniels kind of changes everything, right, for you. Um, for all Lance Leipold, Lance Leipold's been doing, you know, ultimately you got to have a playmaker back there. 
if you're going to go from where Penn State is going to go, from very good team to elite of the class of the Big Ten, get an impact player at quarterback. Sean Clifford, are we going to call him above average? Is that what we're going to say? Slightly average. above replacement level? Yeah. Well, Rose regardless, if all of a sudden you have an impact player at quarterback, I like your odds to climb that ladder if you're Penn State, and that's the quickest way to do it. Marrying um, it with all they have on their roster, too. Like, not course. only that, but also of course. with what they have on defense and some of the pieces that they have, you know, on offense. I I, I love Penn State's potential this year. I don't know if I think they're going to win the too. Big Ten, but they could be a top six team in the country and the third best team in their own division, and that just stinks. This is a good year for the 12-year playoff year them because I'd like them to sneak into the Final Four. Yeah, why would you we know, want to get into the about whether they could do it or not? We should just let everybody in. You're right. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> we should strip out any intrigue buy that we hotel, have this year. But book the hotels right yeah. now. I mean, there's no point. Yeah. 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 There's no point in playing the season. I can't wait for that, Dave. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> By the way, all right, it, it is kind of funny to think. So a year ago, I remember you having this debate with Ralph. Um, it's kind of funny how the you get we got the extreme outcome of they go with Clifford. They win yeah. 11 games. They win the Rose Bowl, but they lose to Ohio State and Michigan. So was that a wasted season? Yeah, I think that that is a very intriguing thought. And I don't think that Penn State fans think it's like winning the Rose Bowl is a wasted season. But what if you asked a Penn State fan and said, you lost one or two more games last year. We're taking the Rose Bowl away from you, but you're coming into a season this year where Drew Aller's actually awesome and you know it already. Would you do it? I would venture to say with all the hype that this team has right now, it'd be an interesting poll. I, I don't think that I would do it if I were a Penn State fan. Who's who's like holding the Rose Bowl trophy under like a blanket, uh, you know, at night and just cuddling it like it's not what it used to be. It's a good season. Congratulations. You lost the only two games against teams that you played that are better or are in a position to make the playoff. And then you won the consolation prize by playing Utah. So I don't know. I don't know. I think, <laughs> are we at the guy? Like, are we at the like, guy naming stage of this podcast now? Cam Cam Almost. said that Almost. Rose Bowl is the ice cream sandwich of college football. Um, Penn State was in the middle of the ice cream sandwich uh, between <laughs> Michigan and Ohio State last year, and I don't know. You know, I'm not saying yeah, that the Rose that Bowl is a joke. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> if you were a Penn State fan, if you're a college football fan, wouldn't you rather go into a season where you are like this good? with a legitimate quarterback that's gone through the ringer a little bit and, you know, grown and thrown his picks and learned from his mistakes and is coming in like a prime candidate? Or do you want him to go through growing pains when you actually have a team that's good enough to make the playoff because of, I, because of the Rose Bowl? I will say, Ari, I'm going to expose that I am a 30-something from the South, but, like, I'm going to whisper this. I don't really get the Rose Bowl hype. Like, it's cool, but, like... Well, people you're, act, you're people act like people it's, act it's, like the Rose Bowl changing. Like I remember wow. people were acting okay. like people acted like it was like heresy when TCU got to play in the Rose Bowl and I was like people got to chill out. Like <laughs> like come on now. <laughs> I remember like all of the like uh what was it uh was that the year that the little sisters of the poor became uh, do you, uh part of the nomenclature if I'm not mistaken? Do you hear Max that noise in the background? Do you hear this noise? <laughs> It's people typing up one-star reviews for our podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that is. Uh, the SEC obsessed until Saturday feed strikes again by saying the Rose Bowl. They don't understand the hype. Have you been to the game? I'm just saying chill out, people. Have you I been to the it. game? Have you I been have to the not. game? Answer the question. I, I get I get sort of part of it, but the, the idea that like the Rose Bowl changing and not just being Big Ten versus the Pac-12 
and Pack not four. being yeah exactly it's like the like listen like guys things change like the game's still gonna get played you'll get to see your blessed sunset like it's fine like <laughs> so you've never covered a game of the rose bowl i have never covered i've been to the rose bowl i've never covered a game there he didn't get it it's the coolest game that i've ever covered yeah, and i've covered national covered. title games yeah yep. it, it's uh not close it is it should be the national championship game have you ever covered a tuesday night maction yeah. game yes uh <laughs> not quite pretty sunsets but um yeah i i think that if we're going to get better reviews on this podcast like shitting on the rose bowl is not the way to go <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know if that's I'm just not, me it's pr- <laughs> i'm just saying people need to chill out a little bit chill out a little bit is, about the rose he's bowl. like the game next is incredible like, actually tom hanks sucks you know usually i'm the one that how, takes. <laughs> let me tell you how much i hate paul rudd this guy is yeah. absolute near do well but that wow. said, in the new realm of college football, winning the Rose Bowl doesn't – it's not like the BCS era anymore. Yeah. I don't know if that helps you much in like establishing like your program as being one of the best. I think that in the in your heart of hearts, if you're a Penn State fan, you probably would rather have a seasoned veteran, really good quarterback instead of the Rose Bowl uh, championship going into this season. Um, but I'll die on that hill. So, okay, Max – my computer has like 5% battery left, so we're going to try for a Hanukkah miracle here and see if we can finish this thing without my computer dying. Who's your last one? My last one, you, you asked me about watching Mac games. I'm going Daquan Finn from Toledo. Oh, if baby. you know, you know. Let's go. Um, this, <laughs> this dude's a baller. I think if he'd like transferred to a Big Ten school this offseason, there'd be a ton of, there'd be a big hype train around him. Um, mm-hmm. He earned the starting job at Toledo midway through 2021. He's put up 52 touchdowns in 19 games since then, led him to. Uh, a Mac title last year on an injured ankle MVP of their bowl game as well. Um, he's a top 10 rusher in college football last year, makes a ton of plays outside the pocket. Um, they've got a, their, their big power five game this year is their season opener at Illinois. So I'm curious to see if he can kind of turn some heads in that one. And then, you know, when you get to the end of October, dude's got a couple Tuesday games. He's got a Wednesday game. We got a Friday game. I, I, I'm excited to yeah. watch. He's a player. Like Tole- Toledo Max, rip what are my, the odds? My heart out of my chest again. What are the odds we get year? a Toledo, a Toledo New Year's six, uh, G five bit. Hmm. Yeah. Who is the, I mean, is there someone who's already kind of stamping? Is, UTSA is my pick. UTSA Toledo would, would have in my top preseason top 25 as well. Can I say yeah. this? Can I say this? The Fiesta Bowl kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, All right, Dave, who's your last one? That's uh, a good so pick, you, are, you You guys already stole mine, but I will throw out one that I was going to say for the guy remembering stage. Are you aware that we have a Brady Belichick situation in the G5 in the breakup of Grayson McCall and uh, Jamie Chadwell? I'm very intrigued to see how this plays out. Uh, you, you have... Uh, a modest hire at Coastal Carolina, and you have Grace, or you have uh, uh, Jamie Chadwell taking his system to Liberty. Uh, I'm very intrigued to see how that situation plays out, and and if one of those two guys, neither of those two guys, or both of those two guys, just sort of either flounder or flourish in their new circumstances. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, just rattle off two quick ones, and then we'll get out of here. One. One line each. Sam Hartman's going to Notre Dame. What does that look like in year two of Marcus uh, Marcus Freeman? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just, I think, a no brainer. Um, a real test of the plug the, and play nature of the of the portal in twenty twenty three. There's a lot that we left off. Uh, <laughs> there's Nekamara a lot of good Iowa. Kate McNamara at the, Iowa. The QB list here, and we'll uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about some just go down here. 
we got a uh, we got some points to add up this year in, in Iowa City, and then of course the one that we didn't mention at all, and um, I think deserves to be mentioned at least is Jordan Travis at Florida State. Mm-hmm. I think he got went high in our Heisman draft, and um, Florida State could be a sneaky team in the ACC this year that mm-hmm. um, could make the playoff again for the first time since the first year. So those are some names I wanted to throw out. Anyone that we uh, missed out on on your end here, Max? Before we get out of here, yeah, lots, lots of names. Um, uh, Jackson Dart was going to be the one. If I had a sixth one, it'd probably be Jackson Dart. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think he's going to win the job at Ole Miss. I, I, I think yes. that bringing in Spencer Sanders has really pushed him to get a lot better from every everyone I've talked to. So I'm excited to see kind of what that step looks like for him. Let's just you know, let's just rattle off some dudes here. Uh, we should say to the listener, we are excited to watch Michael Penix play this year. We are excited to watch Bo Nix play this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we so have heard of Riley though. Leonard. I feel like it's going to be like a, a Terminator 2 situation where it's like, yeah, it's like it's going to be great. Like we're excited for Penix Knicks, but like I don't have a lot of reason to believe that it's going to be much different than what we saw last year. Like those guys okay. are going to ball out. So we, we are excited for Michael Pratt. Um, you know, I almost had Tyler Van Dyke on my list. Like that's a pretty interesting yeah. like it's what's an, going intriguing, on. Intriguing is a good word for him. Yeah. Another. Yeah. He had the Brandon Armstrong yeah. program, but he didn't get the guys the, the offseason uh, glow up. <laughs> what about Devin Leary? Remember how much how much hype? It was around him last year. New place, new new start. Yes. I took him in our Heisman um, draft. P- Listen, my Devin Leary take is he's going to be a lot better than Will Levis at Kentucky. Uh, which Will Levis? All the first the year, Will or the Levises. second year, all, all the them? Will Levi, yeah. all of them. He'll be better than in both years. Yeah. Oh, and I, Ari, I know you're intrigued by the Oklahoma quarterback situation too. Well, oh, well, I kind of wonder if you'd have uh, them on there. Uh. If if it happens, if if there's a rising from the depth chart for sure, um, <laughs> I took a flyer on on Jackson Arnold. Of course, uh, you know I don't know if he's going to play, but if he does, that'll be something interesting. Obviously, who wins the Ohio State battles high on my radar. Frank Harris um, at UTSA is another one. I mean, we mm-hmm. could go on and on and on. If we left love your favorite him. quarterback off, really, really sorry, but I thought that was an entertaining show, guys. Uh, Just trust us, we love them anyway. I'm in California right now. I'm looking at the ocean. I think I'm going to go get an ice cream sandwich. What do you guys think? <laughs> That's that's let you know if the ice cream he's, sucks. He's just time. gonna watch Texas quarterback highlights on YouTube. That's what that really he's gonna, means. He's gonna let the ice cream melt <laughs> yeah. and then eat two cookies. Is what he's gonna do. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, sorry for the terrible analogy. I hope you forgive me. I'm hope still that was confused. An entertaining show. That's all right. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll unpack it on the next episode before my computer dies. Uh, again, thanks guys for joining us. That was the latest edition of Until Saturday. Please, like we always say at the end and beginning of every show. Subscribe and rate and review. Disregard Dave's Rose Bowl comment. Uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Dude uh, needs to go outside out. and touch some grass. Rose Bowl comment sure does not reflect <laughs> yeah. the views of Until Saturday. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, so please, if you're going to leave a review, don't make it a one star. And uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, all that stuff. Excited to continue previewing this season that's coming up rapidly. Uh, that was fun, and we will catch you on the next show. Bye.